Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come check us out on Sunday morning. Our service is at 1030. If you're not local, we're looking for a good Bible teaching church uh, that you can attend online. Uh, check out uh, calvary316.com, which is our website, or you can go to our YouTube channel, uh, calvary316.live, uh, for the live stream of the service. Again, uh, things go live Sunday mornings at 1030. Uh, I am joined, as always, in the studio by the man that needs no introduction, the maestro of this dysfunction, Pope Creighton Vaughn. How are you doing, bud? I am doing well. We're going to call today uh, the first episode of Outlaw Radio 6.0. Um, 2.0 was like four years ago. This but is we're <laughs> Why are we calling it that? Because we are hardline instead of on Wi-Fi. That's right. We're so not using Wi-Fi. Hopefully... Our streaming issues will be a thing of the past. Giving away now, trade secrets. Trade well, secrets. yeah, I absolutely am because streaming is fun and you should get into it. Well, that voice, um, that voice off to the side is a great, great opportunity yeah. to go for it. I haven't done any of the things I was planning on, but sure. Here's Kyle. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Kyle <laughs> uh, is also joining us in the studio. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. good. You got like a, a dichotomy on, like you got a Minnesota Viking shirt and a Braves skull. hat. Yeah, and chop on. Yeah, and cho- <laughs> skull and chop on. I guess that works. Also joined in the studio by Spice Daddy, the man that really doesn't need to be introduced. I don't. You Daddy. don't. You got the couch to yourself tonight. I do. It's nice. I can spread out. Man, man spread. What do they call it? Man spreading. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what they call it. Which is very different than mansplaining. Yeah. Manspreading and mansplaining are two totally different things. So I, uh, I had the opportunity. I was, I was on a call today. I got invited um, to South Sudan today to uh, there's a, a gathering of chaplains very cool thing um no kidding this true story today was invited in october uh, to go two weeks to south sudan fly into uganda and uh, and go to south sudan and I, I brought it up to jessica just flippantly i was like hey i just got an invite today she goes oh from to where and i was like you know south sudan and she just stopped she was cooking she stopped and looked at me like what and creighton was in the kitchen and he goes you're not going <laughs> you're not and Jess was like, you lived through all of this to then go to South Sudan and die? I was like, nah, it'll be all good. And then Creighton was like, are you seriously going to go? I was like, well, I have to talk to my physician about it. And, uh, you know, it probably won't work this year because there's some other things already planned for the fall. But um, but I was like, I, and we're in the kitchen. I was like, I guarantee you I know exactly who would go with me. Oh, yeah. And sure enough, walked into the office. First thing I said to you, I go, hey, you want to go to South Sudan? And what was your reply? Sure. And then what was your second reply? Uh, I don't remember. It was, it was, when are we going? Do I have enough time to learn some languages? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to make some contacts, to get a lay of the land. I mean, you went immediately into, like, archaeology, world traveler, spice daddy. Look, look, look. It's been three years. Three years since I've been anywhere. And the itch is strong. I mean, the travel bug is is hard to get rid of. If you say so, man, I don't oh, got yeah. it. Yeah, I don't got it at all. Yeah. I don't have it, like, I don't like traveling out of, like, a 10-mile radius of my home. And work from home. So. You, yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah. seriously, if I didn't have to leave the house for social church food necessities, probably never would. That's how this you is, get a hermit. I this mean, is how oh, bad yeah. it was for me. I, I enjoyed play- in bed for like. <laughs> I enjoy playing golf. Oh right, yeah, yeah. It's the only time in my life I lived inside the perimeter. I was, I was. Uh, what do they call it? The I ITP. ITP. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I was the neighbor of Andy for you know a good two and a half months this year, the last year. But no, I uh, like I like to play golf. I live in the neighborhood with a golf course. So it's easy for me to go play golf, and this is great. So I got invited to go to another golf course to go play yesterday. And it was a wonderful invite, very very nice. But my immediate reaction was, yeah, I'm going to have to drive someplace. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I'm not kidding, it's like 10 minutes away. But I was like, eh. Chimney or is hey, it was chimneys, yeah. chimneys? Yeah, I'm gonna it was find, wonderful. I'm gonna find I went and played. You, it was good. I'm going to find you a golf course in Uganda or South Sudan. 
deal breaker. That that that'll work. Although we we have now discovered that the main language in South Sudan is English. It's English. I'll need to learn some Arabic. It's predominantly which I have Christian. A long time ago, anyway. It's the newest country in the world. It is right? the newest country in the world. So I would probably be one of the first amongst my friends to to have that passport stamp. So that's a little exciting. <laughs> We're not going to probably go this year. Again, there's, I don't think there's any way my doctor is going to say, yeah, Zach, take all these malaria pills and typhoid fever is this pills. the same and, doctors that say uh, that you wouldn't be able to speak again without a... No, the, no, this oh, is okay. the doctor that I, this is the doctor that saved Jessica, and mm-hmm. he's, my, he's, he's the boss. Okay. Dr. Hamilton, man. Uh, he's not black, Creighton. Okay, hold on. He's not I mean, black. I want to get on the screen. I know Hamilton. I want to get on the screen. Are you aware that you're going to have to explain that joke to people? Not really. I don't have to explain it. Yes, you absolutely You have do. to explain it. So the joke that he's making. See, see what I did there? You have to explain is it. Is that Alexander Hamilton is a founding father who is white. And Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is Hispanic, made a musical about him. And he cast him, A, as a Hispanic man because he played him. But all the other founding fathers are black. And Zach's making a joke because he's... Racist. No, so I was I watched Hamilton with Theodore. It's a gr- I mean it's great. We had all we had all the kids. We had all the kids. We watched Hamilton. It's fantastic. Quincy lasted longer than I thought. He lasted longer than I thought, but then he was out cold. And Mabel Mabel would have would have pushed on, but it got late. Theo, every every word. I mean Theo was right there. At some point he goes, Dad. I didn't know, know George Washington was black. <laughs> I said, son, he was. <laughs> That's amazing. Pretty sure that my kids think that Hamilton, Washington, and Jefferson were all African-American. I love that so much. Yeah. So you can bring, bring that. Where are we going with this show? I this don't is know, the man. last, for the record, this is the last show before our summer break. We're taking all of July off. Um, we're going to kind of, Pull back, take some vacations. We'll be back in August, but it's it's kind of we're we're at that point of of delirium. In fact, two of the guys were like, "Yeah, I'm already out, already <laughs> going on vacation." You know, like when you were in school and you had spring break. You know, and like let's say spring break started, like you got Friday off. Nobody came to school on Thursday. Oh, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, uh, Nick and Derek. This is what's happening. They're like they're taking their Thursday. Like they're, we're taking our Thursday. Yeah. For sure. Bums. Same thing at work. If you got a holiday on Monday, you take off. That's when you tack on the extra days for the long weekend. Take off Thursday, Friday, make it a... So I was having having this conversation. Again, it was all tied into the sedan, but um, I reconnected with a a friend of our show. Um, I'm just going to call him Eddie. I'm going to go with Eddie. We've done an interview with Eddie before. He works for a Christian uh, missions organization that is... The best way to to define them is they're like the the tip of the spear when it comes to the spiritual warfare mission I mean, special forces mission special forces like within Afghanistan when um, our State Department failed so many people by not like pulling them out um, they sent in like Christian special forces um, to go like militarily remove people um, hardcore missionaries love these guys um, in fact talking to Eddie. They were doing a youth camp in Russia in January, right before they invaded Ukraine. And so they were able to get out of the country. Anyway, we've had just wonderful brother, uh, dear friend, and they have um, operations happening. And that's how they refer operations. Still going on in Afghanistan, all over the Middle East, parts of Africa. Again, the Sudan is, is really where this missions organization kind of cut their chops um, uh, Asia, I mean, everywhere you can think. He was telling me, and, and I'm bringing this up for a reason, because I was shocked. Like, it takes a lot to shock me about something. This really, like, jaw to the floor. Uh, and I, I'm not going to mention any of the countries, but this is Central America. And they have some inroads, some, some, con- some, some contacts. They're doing a lot of work um, in Central America because you have, like, this confluence of a lot of really bad stuff going on in Central America from just, just the, the, the migration that's taking place where people are trying to get to America uh, to flee persecution, to flee violence, also just a better life, etc. Um, but like, and then as a result, you have the exploitation of children 
uh, human trafficking, child trafficking, child sex trafficking. Um, and, and you've heard like, like really deep, dark, seedy things from the cartels, right? Of organ harvesting. You've heard, you've heard things like that. Yeah. I don't know where, where you guys get your news, but you'll read reports, you know, where they're talking about like these migrants that are like being trafficked if they can't pay, they end up having like organs harvested. Like there's a huge black market for illegal organ trade. And you're like, oh my goodness gracious, that that has to be the worst thing that I can think about, right? No. So the biggest thing happening in Central America that nobody, I've not heard anybody on the news talk about this, is, okay, so we know children are being kidnapped and used for illegal entry into America. Like, that's happening a lot. In fact, they say something like, uh, in certain countries, like in towns, three to four children are being abducted and are disappearing every day. Wow. Like, it's, it's, it's insane, the statistics. But what's happening to babies, and, and he was, Eddie was telling me about one of their contacts that went down and started hearing rumors about what was going on in this country, which happens to be, within Central America, a very westernized country, but does have a huge, heavy cartel presence. That doesn't really like narrow it down because the cartel's everywhere. But, you know, he was talking about, you know, you know, sex trafficking, you know, which is the hot button topic. And one of the police sergeants was like, you have no idea what's going on. So they went to this raid and they busted into this place and there were children. They were, their corpses were warm and they were cut open and their organs were, were harvested. Now, organ harvesting of children's organs is not beneficial in any, in any context, unless you're a child. Right. Because you can't give me a child's kidney and exactly. hope it works. Like an adult person or a mature. And, and, and sometimes like even the harvesting of children's organs, even to other children's is dicey because it doesn't mean that the organ will actually grow with the child. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times with like organ transplants with children, you give them an adult organ um, because it's not going to, it's not going to grow and develop. It's just kind of what, what it is in China and Asian countries. There is a huge market of people that travel from a Justin's not said they're traveling into South America because there is a, a spiritual belief. And I don't know what particular, maybe you can help me, but there's, I don't know what particular sect of mysticism, but there is a, a, a general belief amongst a large percentage of Asian aristocrats that eating the organ of a child will give you health and prosperity and longevity. And they're cutting up kids, not for organ transplants, but for organ consumption. They talked to another police chief on a different in a different country that he was talking about. He goes, can you tell the Asian people to stop eating our children? And I quote, my goodness, like this is a demonic, perverse, like crazy thing that is happening in Central America because you have so many vulnerable families because of poverty. Um, he was telling me about um, one of their missionaries. This guy comes running up and was like, I'll sell you my two kids for one hundred fifty dollars American. And the guy kind of blew him off and the translator was like, no, no, like, like that's legit because $150 will feed the rest of his family for at least six months. Like they are selling their own children. It's, it's terrible dynamic. Now that idea of organ eating, I know you spent time in Asia. What do you know of that, Justin? Uh, not a whole lot, but it doesn't surprise me. Is that what you were thinking I was going to go? Yeah. Okay. And I, I know the exact country that these people are coming from to do that. Because they're having an increased presence in South America and Latin countries, so it's uh that happened to be China. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Yeah, they. they I'm not a, a Biden, so I'm not getting money from the, right. the, the so, Chinese. So yeah, they they have a we can call them out. They have a bad habit of doing horrible just, things. Yeah, not just the Chinese <laughs> Communist Party is evil beyond all measure. It's demonic. There's a it, satanic it, it element really to is, this, but like just it's not just chill, like they're known for just eating everything that if it's endangered, if it's taboo, they'll eat it because somebody said it, it will give them 
powers or something. You know, it, it's kind of like during 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 COVID. Instead of developing something, they'd said eat bear bile, and that'll save you from COVID. So they'll just make up stuff. That's what eat. got me. It's, it's Eastern. It's That's Eastern what got me. It's Eastern medicine. <laughs> I should have eaten more bear bile. Yeah. So it, a or lot been of vaccinated. Eastern, right? Eastern medicine tends to just throw out weird stuff that just randomly. I mean and that makes sense. People, you, you got to understand the the massive scale of how many people are in mainland China that ha- are millionaires that just do stuff like that. I mean, it, all the way down to there's not really much of a middle class, but like it, if somebody says something to work, it's it's magnified tenfold just because the number of people there. If we get a, ch- I mean, if, if we get a chance to go to Central America early next year kind of in a fact finding i know justin's there he's got that itch creighton central america maybe well south then we can, sudan then we definitely can, not then we, south, i'm not south, <laughs> yeah central america ironically maybe. you'll south go to sudan. south america but not africa i, will I just want to just point in. that out i would it. fit in better in south america than i would africa not I, as good as you would in italy looks yeah, no, no, no. Not as good as you would in Italy. Great in Italy. Hey! I think it's interesting um, that with Eastern medicine, like Justin was saying, in conservation, you see a lot of that. Where rhino tusks or elephant tusks, baby tiger blood or some crap. Mm, and it's so like good. They, so sweet. They consume it's, it. They the tiger blood? Give them it's their fueled power. almost solely by... Chinese Eastern medicine consumers. I mean, you, yeah. you you get you get a little bit from some of the other Asian countries there, but the vast majority of it's coming from mainland China. Interesting. What is? I'm just curious. What's the what's the predominant religion of China? The official predominant religion? There is none. No, just uh, but the ac- the practical one. Buddhism. You get some of the the old uh, animist anima- animist religions. Uh, I mean, Christianity's growing. Like yeah, but crazy, uh, but, but like, my point is like something like this, like I, these I, type of mis- like are they rooted in a, a religious idea or is it just purely historical Eastern mysticism? M- not, I won't say mysticism per se, but more like Eastern medicine, where you, you know you eat. A lot of times it's ground bones, like or you know rhino tusks or something like that, and a lot of it's like. If the shape of some the shape of something or something like that goes with whatever it's you're trying to, to cure, yeah. So rhino, if you want to be like rhino, a rhino horn, rhino horn. You can kind of let your imagination run wild for there. What that's for, uh, you know, and and just stuff like that. I mean, it's you want a bigger nose, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but it, it's it, it. I didn't know about the eating children thing but that did happen in the past but it was just because it's the organs it's crazy yeah it doesn't it doesn't surprise me right but like it it kind of par for the course dude i just the conversation the conversation i had this afternoon is about 45 minutes but it it um again it reminded me of just the absolute horrors and evil in the world okay these are the lessons i take away horrors and evils of the world the absolute ineffectiveness and lunacy of our federal government because they won't do anything about anything. Like they won't provide like someone in the CIA was trying to get people out of Afghanistan and nobody would listen to them or do anything. So she had to go to a nonprofit Christian missionary organization that have mercenaries at their disposal to get out people like, like it just it just reminds me how ineffective our federal government is and and how biased it is, and then th- just how thankful I am that there are people in our community that are doing the job, man. That um, man, it's a whole different thing, you know. And they're not they're you know they they got that adventure that adventure gene. They're uh, they're they're ex military most of them. Um, so they're equipped to do certain things. They have certain characteristics and traits, but they but somehow like they've been able to parlay all of that into like this, this Christian tip of the spear, you know, 
They are they're the dudes. Doesn't that go to show you that God uses? I mean, how many times did God save? You got the Roman centurion, the best example I can think of. I mean, you don't yeah. get to be a centurion would be a a, a, a wimp. <laughs> like you, you, you. How many conversations have you been in when the actual person you're talking to has to articulate what he's saying using code names? <laughs> I mean, like, I don't have too many of those conversations where it's like. Yeah, we're on the internet, FaceTiming. There are people listening for sure. So I, we'll use some code names. Like that's, uh, again, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that there are people that are out there, um, you know, confronting evil. Not in a vindictive way, not, not to pick a fight, but like, hey, there's some innocent lives that need to be saved, and they're willing to go in. And if that requires guns ablazing. You know, they'll do it. Better than not. Yeah, no kidding. So, Creighton, what's our topic for tonight? All right. Well, hard transition to uh, my favorite category of these episodes. This is like two peas in a pod. Yeah. No, no, no. They're right up against each other. Right, right next door neighbors. But this is one of my favorite uh, kinds of episodes we have, which is the, oh, you're just going to not explain that at all and move right along kind of passage in the Bible. And it is a guy named Melchizedek. Um, and I've got his, I've got the, it's Genesis 14. It's the last, uh, looks like eight verses. Mel off the deck, baby. So <laughs> I just came up with that. That was, nice. that was freestyling. Uh, so basically, Mel off the deck. Uh, it is around the time when God is going to deal with Sodom and Gomorrah, lots deal with the five Kings and all that kind of stuff. Um, all that, it's the epic rap battle of the five kings of the north, five kings of the Snoop south. Snoop Dogg and the west side. I'm with you. Yeah. You got to um, you gotta explain that reference <laughs> for people. Zach did a Bible study on the War of the Five Kings like four years ago. And the names are so hard to pronounce. They're all terrible to pronounce. It was longer than that. would be easy. Um, and so instead of actually using their names, he just used gangster rappers from the 90s. So it was like Snoop Dogg Klan and the Wu-Tang and like Klan. the west coast guys. Yeah. It was a good time. So anyway, Melchizedek. <laughs> He's this guy that shows up. Um, he is described as A, the king of Salem, and B, the priest of the God Most High. In one verse, it's verse 18 is, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him, being Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth and blessed of God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then some more stuff happens. It's very interesting to me that there is this guy who is a, both a King and a priest who the Bible says is the priest of God who has, doesn't show up again. And I'm not certain we see Salem again. I'm not a hundred percent on that. I know that I know where it ends up being, but like the actual kingdom, if he's a King, there'll be a kingdom of Salem. So my question is what in the world is happening? Who is he? Why is he called out? And how is he the priest of the God of God most high when Abraham's family is supposed to be the people of God most high. And this guy doesn't seem to be a part of Abraham's family. All of that track. And then, yeah, and then what's kind of crazy about Melchizedek is that you get that, was it Genesis 14? Yeah. So you get get Melchizedek in Genesis 14, like out of nowhere. Just pops up. Just out of nowhere, Abraham, uh, not Abraham. Yeah, Abraham. Abraham goes. Abram. Abram. But but he goes, he gets this great victory, rescues Lot, and then ends up with all the spoils. Kyle, if you could turn real quick to Hebrews 7. I'll have you read a section of Hebrews 7. All right. In just a moment. So Abraham, he rescues Lot. He gets this great victory over the kings of the north, which is, which gives you some context that like, like Abraham was kind of a boss. Like he was not, like he took over some kings, you know, like he was, he was his own thing, right? As Justin said earlier, he wasn't a wimp. He was a power broker at at that time. And so he gets this this great, and again, you got victory, you get this great spoils. And he comes down. And he gets met by this, the king of Salem, Melchizedek. 
And what does Abraham do? Then that's that to me is what's fascinating. Is Melchizedek comes out with bread and wine. Interesting communion elements. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure that was grape juice. <laughs> it was Welch's <laughs> truth. Thanks for the correction. He comes out with Welch's grape juice and uh, Wonder Bread, <laughs> which has to be unleavened too. I don't think there's any leaven. It's some chemical. Anyway, so so he comes out and he and he gives Abraham this stuff, and then Abraham gives ten percent of the spoils voluntarily to Melchizedek, and then like we move right along. Literally, just just. Yeah, move right along. And then you don't get, like, you have one reference. What was it? Psalms 110? Yeah. You have one reference of Melchizedek in the Psalms where where it's, it's a messianic psalm talking about Jesus and his priesthood. You're a priest of the order of Melchizedek. And that idea then ends up, like, being built upon almost throughout the majority of the book of Hebrews. I mean, Hebrews speaks about, like, Melchizedek's gone. I feel this way about Enoch. Enoch's in, like, one verse in, in the genealogy, and then like Jude. Yep, that's it. Yep. It's like, oh, let me tell you more about that guy. You know, and you're like, what? Melchizedek's the same way. Like, Hebrews gives us so much more details. Now, let, let me begin again before we get to the com- best commentary of the Old Testament is the New Testament. So we'll, we'll get more insight into Melchizedek from Hebrews. But like, let's just start with what we know from G- the Genesis record. So he's the king of Salem, and he's a priest. Now, now what's interesting about that is that within within its the, the context, that that's the first mention of both in Scripture. Like you would you would think, well, priests, right? Like okay, well, there's a lot of priests. In the, this is the first mention of the idea of a priest. Um, or the, the notion of a king, because, I mean, Abraham's a patriarch. And, like, we're way before we get to Joseph and Pharaoh and Moses, Joshua, and we get to the kings, like Saul and David and Solomon. Like, this is way back in the, in the land. This is the land of promise. So this is the first mention of king associated with Melchizedek. First mention of priest associated with Melchizedek. Um, this is the first mention of Salem. And Salem means peace. Salam. Peace. It is believed that this is probably an early derivative of Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Um, And so this would be the king of the early outposting of an area that would become the city of Jerusalem. You can't say that for certain, but that seems to be, again, it is basic. He's the king of peace. Whether he's the, 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 the king of the city of peace, Jerusalem, or not, that's a, that's a different topic. Uh, we also know, and again, you got to understand Eastern culture like this, and even ancient Eastern culture, it was always um, the lesser that blessed the greater. So the fact that Abraham gave an offering to Melchizedek indicates the perspective of Abraham in regards to Melchizedek that he viewed Melchizedek as being greater than himself. Now, Abraham, again, is kind of a boss. Like, he's the guy that talks to God, walks with God, follows God, you know, eats with God. Like, he is the father of our faith. And Abraham identifies something about Melchizedek where he's like, you deserve my blessing. And not the not the opposite, and then you have the, the these things that Melchizedek gives to Abraham, you know the wine and the and, and the bread, um, which have its own unique symbolism, but origins there, like this unique thing. Now again, we, we don't we don't know anything more than that from the Genesis record, but then you get to Hebrews, and you're given some more information about Melchizedek. So, Kyle, I'll pass it to you. Read some, the first, I don't know, several verses of of chapter 7. Just tell me when to stop. Yeah. All right. Verse 1 of Hebrews 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. 
So, so, wait, pause. So, in addition to being the king of peace, the king of sin, he's also the king of righteousness. Just throwing that in, right? Mm-hmm. And, Which is a crazy thing to attach to anybody other than God himself. And Abraham gives a tenth of the spoils. So, if and a tenth is literally translated tithe. So, if anyone's like, where do we get tithe from the scriptures? Abraham. Um, <laughs> Abraham and Melchizedek. I mean, that's how, like, significant this story is. Continue. Um Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like son of God, remains a priest continually. Okay, Paul, just repeat that again. Without father. This is of Melchizedek. This is describing Melchizedek. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like son of God, remains a priest continually. Okay, so what we also know about Melchizedek from scripture. He's got no father. He's got no mother. He's got no genealogy. Now, a critic could say, well, that's just because it's not recorded for us in Genesis. And this is the author of Hebrews is acknowledging the reality that these things didn't exist. Okay. Kyle, continue from there though. In the passage itself. Having neither beginning of days nor end of life. Okay. So like, now we're talking about something different. So even if you're like, oh, he didn't have a father, mother, genealogy, well, that's just because they're not recorded for us in Genesis, which could be a fair, a fair point. Then you get, has no beginning and end. It's like, well, now wait, that, like now we're speaking of something that defies the natural realm. Continue. But made like the son of God remains a priest continually. And that's in the present tense, like continually up until like right now. Now, up until now and moving forward. And moving forward. So, again, Melchizedek. <laughs> what an interesting character. Um, Abraham recognizes he's greater than himself. He comes out and blesses with grape juice and wine. Abraham gives a tenth of the spoils, 10%. Then we're told he's a priest continually, which is based off the Psalms passage. Salem is righteousness or peace. He's like the son of God. No father, nor mother, no genealogy, but has no beginning and end. So it speaks of some internal nature, has no beginning, so is not a created being, has always been and always will be, meaning he's a priest continually, which is just such a fascinating idea. So who is Melchizedek? Now I'll jump right to it and then we'll work backwards. I think without question that the person that came out and met and spoke with Abraham is none other than Jesus Christ. That Melchizedek is what we would call in theological terms, a theophany or a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. Justin, you're going to jump in. Yeah. I just want to ask a question. Yeah. Jump in. Is this, because we know from the previous story uh, with, Abraham, when God tells him he's going to have Isaac, right? I'm not thinking the right story. He meet the three, the angel and the two men he gives them. Oh, I see. Not the not the most recent previous story, but the last time we had a Christophany. Right, right. Is is this before or after that? That's a good well, question. Keep, keep because talk, keep to, me, to me, it seems like they know each other. See what I'm saying? Yeah, they've got like a little bit of a they've got a going rapport on. going on because yeah. it's not just like, hey, what's up? I'm gonna like that. Well, that that seems more like they're they're greeting each other, and it, it seems at the very least he had to have had like some sort of understanding of like like Zach mentioned. You know, he he knew Abram knew that this Melchizedek deserved greater his blessing. Than him. Like he yeah. knew of him. He knew. You know that he was a king, a priest, and that he okay, deserves I'm gonna, some stuff. I'm gonna kind of blow your and, mind about, the, about there that, were some, that idea. And yeah. I think you got to go back. Also, there, there were some rules of etiquette. Uh, you see those in the laws of Hammurabi and stuff like that from this area. Um, but that that just popped up in my mind. Is this is Abraham meeting with those three men before or after this situation? So so let me give you some context. Let me give you a general flow of Genesis. Um. Tower of Babel, chapter 11. Uh, genealogy uh, of the descendants of Shem. Terah's descendants that leads you to Abram. 
Chapter 12 is the calling of Abram out of Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram comes to the land, but then he goes to Egypt. And we have that full indiscretion in Egypt. You have that story. Abraham comes back in chapter 13, inherits Canaan, dwells in the land of Canaan. Um, and Lot, they pitch their tents as far as Sodom. And then you have the conversation of like, pick which way you want to go. We're too big. Um, chapter 14 now, Lot is not actually living in Sodom yet. He's just pitched his tent that direction, and he gets caught up in this whole skirmish of the five kings of the north, the five kings of the south. And, um, and then Creighton, this is where, yeah, verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. Um, so this is, this is incredibly early mm -hmm. in the experience because then in chapter 15, after that, you get God coming and establishing his covenant with Abraham. That's the, before the split Yes, animals? this is before the split animals. So the split animals come immediately after. That's where, also fascinating. Where the covenant's established. And then his indiscretion in chapter 16 with Hagar, which leads to Ishmael. 17, the signing of the covenant, which is the circumcision. 18 is the son of promise. Abraham uh, intercedes for Lot. So 18 is when the three angels come to have, have dinner with him. Sarah laughs. You're going to have a son. Sarah laughs. Blah, 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 blah. There's that whole story. We're going to go, hey, what are you guys doing? We're going to Sodom to destroy it. Abraham intercedes. You have all of that. And within that chapter, that transitions to chapter 19, Sodom's depravity, Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. So where you're at with Melchizedek, my point, is like this is the first, let me reverse it. When they come to have dinner, when three angels come to have dinner with Abraham, and Abraham immediately like kills the fatted calf and like, come on guys, that's because he knew him then. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I've seen you before. Yeah, I've heard your voice before, but now I've seen you. Maybe it's the it's the interaction with Melchizedek that sets the stage huh. for so much more of Abraham's interactions with God, because he sees Jesus. Right, because that that that's kind of the 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 way he treats them then, like. In, in the laws of Hammurabi, it, it, it tells you to treat strangers, and they, you still have some elements of that even in today's Middle Eastern cultures where you treat strangers with kindness. He goes above and beyond during this story. No, for sure. It, and, and so it just kind of, uh, I don't know, it made me wonder, thinking of Melchizedek and then this, this in, that instance. It, Absolutely. So what the author of Hebrews does when it comes to Jesus. So you have some interesting, interesting things about Jesus um, from a, an Old Testament prophetic angle and like a continuation of theological thought that, that, that becomes necessary. And what I mean is that it was forbidden for the king to be a priest. Mm -hmm. um, that was a very clear line of demarcation within the old, the old covenant, within the Old Testament, within uh, the law. Uh, the king had a particular role, and it was an important role. The prophet had a role. The priest had a role. Now, there are times in which a king, and, a, and being, the, being a prophet, I think even David's described in certain places as, as being a prophet, um, that, again, being the mouthpiece of God, you can understand how that would, that would tie into being the authority, human authority of God placed over people, being the king. But the, the king and the priest, that was forbidden. Um, so where does Jesus, and, and again, the, 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 the priesthood very clearly, uh, the priesthood, it was, uh, mandated and Creighton, you might want to check that other camera very quickly. Um, yep. the, so the priesthood was established, um, as being the line of, uh, Aaron or the mm -hmm. Levites. Yeah, it was, Levi. the, it was the Levitical line, the Levites the descendants through uh, Aaron. That's why Moses was Moses was a Levite, which is why Moses was the only one that could act as like the first priest to coordinate the priests, you know, which would then later become the job of the king to coordinate the high priest. My point is that when you get to Jesus, 
give some interesting things from an Old Testament angle. And just the, 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 the overarching idea that you have Jesus as um, he's described as being a king. And that's an easy one because he's of the tribe of Judah. Mm-hmm. But then you also have Jesus being a priest. But the problem with Jesus being a priest centers on the reality that he's from the wrong tribe, that Jesus doesn't come from the Levitical order. So how in the world could Jesus justify being a king and priest? Yes, he can justify being a king, but how can he also justify being a priest? Because he doesn't come from the Aaronic bloodline. And so that's a problem. Well, what the author of Hebrews does is he takes you back beyond Aaron and he says, hey, there was a greater priesthood. In fact, there was a priesthood that exists, an order of priests that exists that the Aaronic priesthood was just a shadow of. And so Hebrews, the reason that Melchizedek's brought in is because he's the priest of God most high. And it's like, He's so such a significant character that the entire idea of priesthoods developed off of him. Mm-hmm. The whole Levitical order is established off of him. But he's not a Levite. He's not even a Hebrew. And so Jesus can claim the kingship through Judah, but he can claim to be our great high priest because he doesn't come from the Aaronic order. He comes from the, the order of Melchizedek. And again, you can read through, I think it's chapter 10, several chapters that deal with that that basic concept. You want to jump in? Kyle? Yeah, I had some thoughts on that actually kind of at the beginning of this is, um, you know, I think the idea of the priest and the way that that was set up through the law and the idea of a king as the way that it was ordained to be set up by God were established and meant to provide some sort of picture or information of of Jesus or, or some part of God, whether it be like, you know, the spirit or the father or, you know, whatever. Um, if that's true, that those functions that God created were made for Israel to understand parts of Jesus and God better, then it would make sense that Melchizedek embodies all of those things together, and that's where they're all derived from, you know, broken out. In some ways, he's the, the first prophet, priest, and king. Exactly, yeah. Which makes him a unique person. Now, mm-hmm. now I got, when I was in Bible college, there was a whole, in our Hebrews class, there was a whole argument about Melchizedek. Of course. Which is what I love. And he, and he was just dogmatic that Melchizedek was a type. Hmm. That he was a type. And, and my argument was like, no. Like, you can't establish like significant theological precedent about the high priesthood of Jesus Christ off of typology. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quick question. Yes. Excuse me. When you say a type, you mean not an actual person. A picture of it. A picture of. Yes. Just want to make sure that that I understood. Melchizedek was some other dude that was the king of some other place that happened to be a priest of God, but that there was nothing like inherently significant about Melchizedek, but he became a picture of something much greater. Now there's some evidence of, of that in the, in the, in the idea that like, okay, Balaam, Mm -hmm. Balaam was a priest. Like Balaam was a pagan non-Jew that like had this actual connection with Jehovah. He was a prophet of God. He was a prophet of God. Now, okay, that's possible. But, and you can say, well, Balaam could be a type of something, but like, when like the author of Hebrews takes Melchizedek and establishes like this is the sole basis of Jesus's claim to priesthood, then that has to be more than just a picture. Well, I think I think what you all a lot of people can't comprehend. There has to be substance behind it, right? And I think a, where, where that comes into play is a lot of people can't comprehend how close Abraham is to Noah, right? Like, from oh, that for time. sure. So the the God would have been known still to that day. I mean, Abraham, they, they had other gods. That's why Abraham was called out from. And the Tower gods. of Babel had happened. Right. You know, all this was, it was less than, I want to say it was like four or 500 years. Wasn't much. It was very it, quick. Yeah, it was very quick. Well, we had the genealogies connecting them all. So right. We could, we could pinpoint it. Right. So what I'm saying is like between Noah and Abraham wasn't that long. Yeah, humans have a short memory. But there still would have been elements of 
people groups that would have kept aspects of knowing who who the real god was i um i remember i can't remember exactly what the number was but i distinctly remember seeing a uh like circular graph that tracked the genealogies and how many people had to live from adam to moses for him to write down the garden account and it is wildly low like 10 people yeah it was yeah like it's like 10 people have to would have to From Adam translate. to Moses, and they're on the other end. So eight people between them. It's not like 300 people pass the story down from Adam to Moses. And we're talking even shorter than that. We're talking Adam to Abraham. So it's like five generations back to back. And the book of Genesis references the chronicles of things. The, mm-hmm. or, the genealogy is literally the chronicles of. Mm-hmm. They were written records. Like the whole idea of oral tradition as opposed to a written language I, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's nonsensical. Now, that's, that's another topic, another conversation, et cetera. Back to Melchizedek. My point about typology is that typology, is, there are types all over Scripture. It's great. Types are great. But, like, if you're going to base a central theology on something, it can't just be a picture. There has to be meat, substance behind it, which is why I see Melchizedek as actually being a Christophany. I think the author of Hebrews did, which is why he describes him having no father, no mother, having no genealogy. He's... No, no beginning, no end, speaks of his eternal nature. I think, again, that Jesus walks out of a portal as Melchizedek, as the king of Salem, as this iteration, wine and bread, against so much significance, right? And then Abraham recognizes it. How? We don't know, but he does. To the point that he he does something big. He in indiscriminately just gives away 10% of the spoils to this guy. So Abraham understood. He's described and he described as the priest of God most high. I mean, there's no ambivalence to that. So to me, it's like, you know, and again, you have to believe in the Christophany and, and and we talked about Christophanies recently in in our series through judges because, you know, you gotta, you gotta understand like Jesus didn't come into being in the incarnation Jesus, as a physical manifestation of God, existed before the incarnation. Mm-hmm. And it's not outside the realm, if he existed, that he interacted with humanity. And I think every physical manifestation of God in the Old Testament is Jesus. You know, really? when the, the commander of the Lord's armies stands before Joshua, that that's Jesus. What about God walking in the garden? When God walked in the garden, I think it was Jesus. That's awesome. I never thought about that. I think Would it was you, Jesus. Wait, okay. We're going we're to deal. Real, we're going to derail real the hard. Physical, I'm any, with you. Anytime but, there is a physical manifestation of God yeah. in the Old Testament, because God the Father is not seen. He's invisible. We, we, there's m- many passages that substantiate that. When Moses... That was going to be the one I was going to ask. About. When Moses is given the opportunity to see the train of God and his glory, just the train of it, so, so much that he, he, he leaves his face is glowing... Mm-hmm. I believe 100% that's Jesus. Yeah, I'm, 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 on, I'm board. on board. I'm on board. That every, like and again, like you look at the roles of the triune God, Jesus is the, so Jesus is a physical manifestation. Who's speaking from the burning bush? It's Jesus. Again, the physical manifestation of God in the burning bush is Jesus. Hmm. Um, anytime you have a physical, the angel of the Lord that came in the, the middle of the, the night and slew 185,000 Assyrians camped outside the walls of Jerusalem was Jesus wielding a sword. Not the last time he'll wield a sword. You know, so when you, when you encounter, you know, and, and what is it? Judges chapter 2, when we're told the angel of the Lord leads Gilgal and comes down and, and he addresses the children of Israel, I think Jesus, and I said this kind of comically on Sunday, that like, imagine you're at the tabernacle and you're as a priest, you're working, and you hear rustling behind the the um, the, the Holy of Holies. And then like the curtain pulls back and you're like, peekaboo. <laughs> and out walks Jesus out the tabernacle down from Gilgal to address the nation. Like, when, it, is, the, when is the first time that an angel is named other than like... Satan, like in the story, you got you have to look that up. I I, I don't I don't know. That, the only thing I can think of is when when they visit when the angel visited Mary. It was Gabriel. Gabriel. 
why would why was a different why was he named at that moment instead of the angel of the Lord? So you gotta understand the angel angel just, means messenger, si- just simply means messenger. messenger. Yeah. And so you have um you have you have references in, in Genesis to, to angels. Right. Um but they're never named. They're never named. Um I would say, and again, this is so hard to just and, and if you're watching, you can correct me. Um I think the first angel this I think Gabriel pops up in Gabriel and Michael pop up in, in Daniel. Um, I think I think they're yeah, that's true. They're named in uh, they they are named in the Old Testament. Um, I know I know Michael is. There's an unnamed angel that wrestles, whatnot with you know he's withheld from mm-hmm. Daniel and then he breaks free, and, and he and he gets to Daniel. So you have angelic. I guess what I'm getting at is you never see the angel of the Lord, and that's where that's where it's like so in the New Testament. No, not in the New Testament because it, because it's Jesus, right? Mm. It's Jesus for sure, um, and in the Old Testament again, the tri- you know so Hebrew is all uh, one case lettering. There's not uppercase, lowercase. Same with ancient Greek. So whether you're reading the Old Testament in like original Hebrew or you're reading it in the Septuagint translated Greek, there are no capitalizations. The translators of the Old Testament from Greek into English. Um, recognized um, a uniqueness about these mentions of the angel of the Lord. And again, you have this definitive article, the, the angel, not a angel, but the angel, the messenger of God, which you could easily say is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Not, not a huge leap, but the translators recognize something divine about this particular character that pops up all over the place which is why they designate the angel as the capital A, where in Daniel, the angels that appear there do not have any type of capitalization associated. So that at least the translators of the ancient text uh, recognize and, and differentiated a difference between the angel of the Lord and an angel that might appear or interact uh, like the two angels that went to Sodom are not capitalized. They're just two angels. Um, who are they? We have no idea. We only have three names of any angels in scripture. And that's Gabriel, it's Michael, and it's Lucifer, um, who becomes obviously Satan in, in his fallen form. I believe that Melchizedek is none other than Jesus Christ, which adds substance and weight to the, to the, the idea of what he's establishing, which is why that's not any type of a stretch at all for the author of Hebrews to be like, hey, the idea of a king, the idea of a priest, Aaron, David... They're just shadows of Jesus. Like, you want to go back to the origins, the precedent. Well, let's go back to Genesis. And you get that for all kinds of things. The priesthood, the priesthood's established in Genesis. Kingship's established in Genesis. The idea of a sacrifice, it's not the law, it's Genesis. The idea of marriage, not the law, Genesis. Like, every, the concept of sin established in Genesis. The concept of redemption established in Genesis. Sacrificial atonement. Genesis, like Genesis establishes grace. It, it establishes, there's not a the, theology that exists within scripture that isn't first established in the book of Genesis, which is why all the, always, you, you know, you, you want to go back to the origins of it, go back to Genesis. And Paul does this all the time. Go through Galatians. You know, Paul talks about the battle of the flesh and the spirit. Where does he go? Isaac and Ishmael. They, they talk about they talk about marriage. Do they go back to the law? No, they go back to Adam and Eve. Um, they talk about the priesthood. They go to Melchizedek. They talk about sacrifice. They'll go back to Abraham and Isaac. The concept of the lamb that was slain. So, when you're when you're discussing theology, you got to realize that that everything that comes after Genesis is building upon an idea that was already first established. And so Jesus can claim the kingship, he can be the king of Israel because he descended from Judah, but he can be the priest of God most high because Aaron and the Levites were just a shadow of the precedent established by Melchizedek, which is established by Jesus, who is our great high priest, which is why his priest is continuously. It was then and it's now. So... Any 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 thoughts with that particular topic? Yeah, the story of Melchizedek. I mean, when we read through it, there's so much that 
wasn't necessarily established then, but was hinted at. You know, like he comes from Salem. Like a, there's obviously a place kind of prepared for yeah for everyone. There's you know you got communion. You've got like you mentioned the tie. There's there's tons of stuff that just in that story, not established, but you can still go back to you know the first mention of in in some form and and look at. Interesting. Understand, you will not meet Melchizedek in heaven. Because you'll meet Jesus. Because you'll meet Jesus. Okay, question uh, to finish off the episode. So in the next uh, chapter, and I am certain that this has some kind of theological ramifications. I'm not certain of them yet, but I know that it does. Next chapter, you have Abraham splitting a bunch of animals in half him falling asleep and God walking through them to make a covenant with Abraham. Yes. And there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Yeah. Jesus or God, the father, Jesus, there's a physical manifestation of God. It's Jesus. That's fantastic. I'm going to chew on that. Cause I don't know what to do with it yet, <laughs> but that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think, I think it's, it's easy. Um, it's, it's, it's easy to understand that anytime you see the physical, if there's a physical manifestation of God, can it be the Holy Spirit? Okay, so. No. And can it be God the Father? No. Well, what about the dove, though? What about Jesus' baptism? The Holy Spirit makes. Like a dove. Like a dove. Okay. All right. Like a dove. All right. Again, there was some type of, there was some type of, of aura or presence indicating the presence of something. Um, but it would be like, it would be like the, the flapping of curtains from a wind that you can't see. Mm. You see some evidence of its presence that doesn't necessarily articulate what it is. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, which, which absolutely could still be the, 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 the situation with Moses on Sinai, that it was some manifestation of God, the father and some like residual effect of glory as God worked his way through Adams, you know, mm-hmm. Th- that could be, but I still think that anytime, I think it's just a good rule of thumb is anytime you see the physical presence of God, that is Jesus. Now here's a trippy question is did like, did Jesus look like Jesus then? What did Jesus look like before the incarnation? I, I think that's a mute conversation. No, I know, but it's a fun, like what did Jesus look like beforehand? People who knew Jesus didn't recognize him when he, was risen, so I mean, he can obviously change his change his form, or you know. See, I think and this just came to me. I think he looked exactly the same. Okay. okay, so here's why. Let me explain. Here's why Mount of Transfiguration. We often talk about like, how did they know that Moses was Moses and Elijah was Elijah? How did Moses and Elijah know which one was Jesus? <laughs> They'd never seen each other. They'd seen each other before. <laughs> okay, so it's like, yo, what's so up, bro? I've got, I've got a. So I think Jesus theory. always looked like Jesus. All right, so to end the episode, I've got a crackpot theory. I never theory. thought about that, but that's that's a fun thought, isn't it? I've got a crackpot theory that someone shared with me at church on Sunday, and I wasn't certain why until today, uh, because you spoke about Melchizedek on Sunday at church. I don't believe I did. I thought you said that you talked about him in Judges. Or not Melchizedek, but Christophanes. I did, I did bring up Christophanes. Yeah. So somebody walked up to me, and we were having a conversation. Two Sundays ago. And they were like, is it possible... Because Jesus and heaven are outside of time. Are that, they? Yes. There's no way they're not. There's no way they're inside of time. Okay, continue your thought. Because you can't huh? have time and causeless effects. Mm, I don't know. So I'm 100%. Because you know this. everything about relativity. A lot. You're, they're outside you're a of genius. Time. He's outside. God is outside you're of time. You're a genius. He says that a day is a, hey, a thousand stop, years start, and a thousand years is a day. Hey, no, you're just, right. Just, just hey, that's anyway. why that's why we're told that 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 the martyrs under the throne of God were silent for 30 minutes in heaven. You know, because there's no time. That's not what I said. So they're outside of time. Just Two get on with your argument. Anyway, Brandon. is it possible that we call Christophanes pre-incarnate Jesus? Is it possible they're post-incarnate? You got to give me such that he does. He already have the holes comes in his down hands and... in a physical body goes through all of the stuff we read in the Gospels, is crucified, ascends into heaven with his physical body, then goes back into the timeline because he's outside <laughs> of time in the same physical body that uh, he uh, ascended in. Uh, go. 
<laughs> right. I, I, first, who asked you that? Who brought up that? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna feel so bad. I don't remember his name. Um, I'm so sorry. You're you're a very nice guy. He is our Spotify watcher. I don't I don't know his name. Okay, okay. Well, we'll we'll leave his name out. We'll leave his name out. Did he he brought that up. Yeah, he just walked up to me randomly at the end of service. And I was a little caught off guard because I hadn't listened to the That's Bible a, study yet. That is a fascinating idea. That is a fascinating idea. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that requires... String theory. <laughs> you know, how about this? This is what we'll do. We'll bring that topic back up after our summer break. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> to get back to Melchizedek. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, you Justin. At, if you look at the dug us out of that. If you look at the entomology of the name, it's less of a name and more of a title. Just going by what the name means. Uh, Melk or uh, comes from the Melech, which is king in okay. in Hebrew, and Sedek is. Uh, to be just or righteous, so basically, king of righteousness is what that that name. So Melchizedek to. literally, yeah, literally so, king of righteousness. So there's a, it could be a translation in English where it's not actually a name but a title, the king of righteousness, king of Salem, king of peace, king of peace. King of peace. Yeah. Okay, so Whoa, which so makes this, Hebrews, this, yeah, yeah, which comes, which develops a whole nother theory and stuff around this whole thing just by going off of the. Maybe it's not a name, but a title at right. this point. And the only person so. that could possibly be described as being the king of righteousness and peace yeah, is me, obviously. No, <laughs> Jesus. Man, you're going to get a lightning bolt right out of that computer. I disagree. God knows my heart. Do we have any, uh, any, any, anything on the interwebs? We have literally no comments. Nothing. Thanks, guys. Once again, I am disappointed in all our, our viewers. Yeah. It, not, is the, it is the dog coming. days of summer. It is. It is. Just say hi or something. I mean. <laughs> hey, so Justin, have you watched The Good Place? Yes, I've, I've I've gotten to season three. I'm not finished with it yet. Okay, I'm I'm. I I just finished season two. Oh, uh, you're on it now. Yeah, great. I just finished season two, which is where, so like season two ends, where um. Spoiler alert. Who's the uh? Who's the main demon? The Michael. To- Tony Michael Tony yeah. Danza's character, yeah. where he makes the, he Danza. makes the argument to I the wish judge. Tony Danza. <laughs> What's his name? Ted Danson. Yeah, that I don't know what his name Ted is, but Danson. it's definitely not Tony Danza. It's not Tony Danza. <laughs> it's Ted Danson. Um, he's from Cheers. Yeah, which was funny because there's that scene where he's with uh, Kristen Bell's character and he's bartending. Yes, yep. and that was like yeah. that was an ode to Cheers. With the bar over the towel over his shoulder, the whole deal. Exactly the yeah. whole deal. But where he makes the argument of, like, um, the whole system's flawed because they can get better when they get here. Right. Again, if you've never watched The Good Place, uh, it is, again, it's finished several years ago. I'm yeah. way late to the game. It's only three seasons. It's a short watch. There's no more seasons after three? I don't it's remember. It's three, but... maybe four. Did they get I'm killed by sure the pandemic? Three. Did that no, 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 no. it completed. No, no, it, it has finished. a very good. Ending. Oh, it did it has finish. A very good yeah, ending. it finished. Yeah. Okay, it finished. So I, I don't know. I'm still. I'm. 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 I'm in the middle of this. I'm not going to say a whole lot, but it's. It's about. It's about the afterlife, and it gives you a really interesting glimpse into uh, a secular perspective uh, with a whole lot of philosophy um, about morals and ethics, and um, and just how desperately we need Jesus. Has yes. the Jesus part's not a part that's of it. That's not what they meant. Yeah. But, but my goodness, it's like oh. if that's your perspective of the afterlife, uh, my goodness. It what is a, absolutely fascinating. It is very interesting. It's it's worth a watch. And it's entertaining. And, and it's clean. Yeah. It's clean. It was network television, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's clean. Um, but it is it is thought provoking. It makes you think about certain things. And and I will say this from an uh, an evangelistic standpoint. I think what's great about The Good Place is you can bring that up in bar talk. Hey, have you seen this show? Because that will segue into, like, really good... It, it'll It's a gateway into really good, profound conversations about, like, 
hey, if that's really how the afterlife works, what is how does that make you feel? Like I feel like my you know? favorite part about that that show is the fact that no matter how much good they're doing, they can never get they can never good be good enough, enough. Mm-hmm. because they 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 even introduced that again without spoilers, but right. like motivation, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, motivation. You're only matter. doing all the good stuff, so you can get you. Yourself, I get. There's, I have not seen the end. I've not seen the end. But I'm going to make a prediction, and I'm sure this is wrong. I'm sure, this is wrong. But what I would absolutely love to see happen to close the show, you go through all this, and they finally, let's say, get to the good place, and it's completely empty. Like that. That's how the show ends. That like at the end of the show nobody was ever good enough to be in the good place. And then that's how this show ends. That's my prediction. I, I, I will have this finished, obviously, in the next three days. But um, uh, Get ready when we come back and we do an episode all about the good place. All about we the could. good place. I mean, or oh, Jessica, or Joe, Jessica's COVID tale. Or Roland's crazy walk with zombies in Haiti. We've got to, we're working on a few fun things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's all, all that's the, the information line. we're going to give you. Yeah. You guys got any any final any final thoughts any final words? No, nope. I'm good. Hey man, thank you guys for being uh, being here. Uh, not not just you guys, but uh, to to Derek to Nick, the sacrifice you guys have put in. Uh, come out every Wednesday night. Take time out of your night to do this fun thing with me um, to bless other people. You had kind of an interesting. We'll, we'll close with an interesting shout out to a friend. Uh, oh the um, yeah. So yeah. today you had a funny a funny <laughs> funny thing. Related to the yeah, show. Yeah, so I ran into somebody that I don't have a lot of history in my past, so back from when I went to Calvary. Her Chapel name is Anne. She's a fan of the show. Yep. She's my trachy friend. Um, so ran into her in passing um, uh, today, and she recognized me and said hey to me and, and you know, definitely talked to me like... You like know, she knew you like forever. She, yeah, like she's known me for a long time. And granted, we do know each other, have known each other, but we've never, never been close When like was the that. last time you had seen Anne? Uh... Whenever 20 years my, ago? Yeah, when my sisters were in elementary school, maybe. Yeah, like, so you were like and a they're teenager. Both married now. Yeah, a long time ago. So it hit me after, on the way back home <laughs> that the reason she res- recognized me is because she's a, a frequent watcher, and she sees me every yeah, week on the Outlaw Radio Show. <laughs> hey, Kyle, we're best buds. You're like, <laughs> I am. Hey, cool. <laughs> yeah, that works. That's nice. You got something else you want to you want to throw Just out there? Just looking looking forward to our uh, show from South Sudan in October or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> now, wouldn't that be fun? Outlaw Radio on the road. Outlaw Radio in Sudan. Anyway, Cray, thanks for all you do. Great, yeah, man, wonderful. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. You could put the camera on you when you say that. Well, I was expecting you to. I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Uh, <laughs> y'all have a wonderful month while we are gone. I am going to spend my Wednesday night sleeping instead of being out and being social. Y'all have a wonderful time. Back to you. I already have the music playing, so we're rolling out real quick. I'd leave you with a swan song, right? Thank you so much for watching. If you're watching, check out the podcast released on Thursdays, Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're listening, check out the live stream Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. But we will be gone for the month of July. We will see you guys in August. God bless.